Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at Big Blue Insider 1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. The garage is open for business again. Welcome to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel with you. Yes, still in the garage and will be for quite some time. No problem. Coming to you from uh, the home front. And uh, as always, glad to do so. And uh, Aaron is back in the basement at the home of his girlfriend's parents. So uh, they haven't gotten tired of you yet, have they? No, so far so good. <laughs> so far so good. They've had three years to tell me they're tired of me. So going is, it, is it a finished basement or is it a cellar? What oh, is yeah. It? Yeah, yeah, it's completely finished. I've actually been crashing down here. So, oh, and, <laughs> I mean, big screen, is it like a man cave kind of thing? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's kind of the, they kind of all hang out down here uh, a lot anyway. We've been playing uh, family-type games down here, and it, it's been a good time. I really appreciate them. Good deal. And once again, uh, Billy Rutledge is the man on the island at the radio station. We are not allowed there. He is. And uh, once in a while, sees another human being, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Steve is usually the only other guy around here that walks around. But we did have the cleaning lady come in today. So I did get to see her and say hello, hola, and uh, it went pretty nicely. You know, and here's the thing. You, Steve, Tim Anstead, our program director, you're pretty much responsible for how that looks in there. So if there's, you know, anything to be cleaned up, she's going to be looking right at you. Oh, yeah. There is no one to blame it on anymore besides us three for how messy this place is. So, But we'll have everything ready for you when you come back, when you two guys get back when all this is over. I'm looking forward to making a mess there again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyhow, we'll uh, talk a lot of U.K. football tonight, a little bit of basketball as well. Uh, We will uh, welcome Brad White to the program again. He's been with with us before, and he'll be with us at the top of hour number two. Jeff Pecoro is going to be with us as well uh, in hour number two because tomorrow night we're going to be preempted by Kentucky football, the rebroadcast of the Citrus Bowl win from a couple of years back when Benny Snell set the new Kentucky rushing record and the Wildcats once again beat Penn State. So uh, we'll pick Jeff's brain a little bit about what he remembers. And uh, I believe Curtis put the uh, booth cam highlights up on Twitter either yesterday or today so you can go back and not only relive the call but watch Jeff going crazy in the press box. Uh, Hour number one, we'll talk to Jeff Drummond about a lot of the U.K. news that has been coming out over the last couple of days, including uh, Johnny Juzang makes it official and retires, transfers. (laughs) Well, wouldn't that be something? Uh, Transfers to UCLA, uh, has made the commitment, and once again he posts – a statement online thanking UK fans and coaches and all the other schools. But uh, I, I think both of you guys pretty much weren't you leaning toward UCLA when it came to predicting yeah. where he'd end up? Yeah, I was I still deep down thought it was going to be a West Coast school, even though he included some not West Coast schools, obviously, with yeah. Villanova, Texas Tech, and uh, Notre Dame. But, yeah, I was kind of between UCLA and Arizona uh, and Oregon, too. I think all those schools were in on him when he was coming out of high school, too. So UCLA, though, I mean, that's literally in his backyard. Uh, they actually 
quietly had a pretty nice season yep. given where they had been last year. They finished just one game back at Oregon for the Pac-12 regular season title, and you know if there might have been a tournament, they probably would have made it. So seems like a good time if he's going to transfer and want to go home it seems like a pretty good time to be heading into that program because good things are starting to turn around there well it was the no-brainer pick right i mean he says he's homesick he goes back to la ucla makes sense i thought texas tech could have been a better fit just because of the coach i mean I, i i hold chris beard in much higher regard to mick cronin and i will say that i think the personalities of mick cronin and johnny juzang may clash a little bit maybe a little bit something that he's not expecting but obviously this move is has nothing to do with the basketball teams. It's much more personal for him. UCLA wasn't even in the title, final three when it came to his initial recruitment. So things must have changed fast for him after he came to Kentucky. I would think after getting a face full of Calipari over at uh, the Craft Center, he could probably handle Mick Cronin, but you're right about that. It's seen, I don't know Beard or Cronin at all, but just from, from seeing them uh, on TV and being interviewed, I think you're right about that. But – uh, you know, he, as you said, being close to the home, as he said in his statement, 15 minutes, he grew up 15 minutes from Westwood, which is the neighborhood basically where UCLA is. He said, I've always followed UCLA. He said, and I've always, and I've dreamed of playing in Pauley Pavilion, although I guess that's of late, Billy, because he, he did not have them in the finals of the teams uh, from which he chose. But he did say bringing a title back home is something that motivates me like nothing else which tells me at least he's done a little homework. I, I got to wonder how many of these kids today, uh, but how many ball players really know of UCLA's tradition? I got to think a kid who grew up in LA knows something about it because there are going to be references to that when people write about UCLA. But he said, I can't wait to put on that blue and gold. I will be pursuing a waiver for immediate eligibility and go Bruins. Uh, he also made reference to the pandemic and being close to home, how that might uh, make a little bit more sense. Uh, that's another good question, though, guys, is how is this pandemic going to affect the eligibility waivers and all those requests? And, and you know, we have no insight to that, but it's it's just fun to think about, isn't it? Yeah, and I was reading a report. I think it was Jeff Goodman who put it out just this week that despite everyone kind of assuming that this one-time waiver rule is done, and it might be done, it's no guarantee to happen this coming season. So yep. it might not be something – that begins until next summer, which obviously would complicate Juzang's situation. But at the same time, we saw Jamal Baker uh, get, get granted the waiver for really no reason, Quad yeah. Green too. So it's kind of a crapshoot. But, you know, also one tidbit a little off topic is, I don't know, have they renewed the CBS Sports Classic? Because if they did, Kentucky is on pace to play UCLA this year. So that would I be believe they'll keep eligible. playing. Yeah, I think so. Yes, it would be UK. If we they follow the order with it's Ohio State, obviously, and um, there's the other team in that North Carolina. Yeah, uh, it's UCLA and Kentucky who are up. So that'd be wow. I don't see that often. And mentioned what you were saying, Dick, in his transfer request, or maybe it was Aaron that said it that he wanted to be closer to home due to this virus. Right. I mean, that's the sole reason why they're making this rule change for the one year. Uh, no penalty transfer for NCAA athletes because of the ambiguity of all the other situations. Yes. Why is it that Quade Green should get immediate eligibility? Why is it Jamal Baker should get it? How could you not give it to a guy who's going back home right. for coronavirus? I mean, yeah. it just makes sense in that regard. No, I, I fully agree, and I think that we're going to see a lot of that uh, now with kids transferring and, and uh, applying for the waiver. And again, this is pure speculation. And I bring that up because I've seen media people beating each other up on Twitter, on social media, 
over their respective opinions on when college, when and if college football will come back in the fall. And, how, and by the way, John Clay, in his blog, Sidelines with John Clay, uh, John reached out to 50 of us, I say us, I was included, and gave us the, the ABC choices of how we see college football coming back. Will it come back? Will it come back with a delay? Will it not come back? And I won't spoil anything for you, but it's really interesting, my opinion aside, to uh, to read what a lot of people have to say. But again, strictly opinion. And I see guys and gals beating each other up over their respective opinion. I'm like, nobody's words carry any weight at all. I mean, I've, I've kind of chided people for buying into the uh, – the, the list of candidates for coaching jobs, because rarely is there a list or rarely does anybody in our line of work, both broadcast and, and print, know of such a list. Rarely, I won't say never, but rarely is there an actual list and rarely, even more rare is it, are they leaked to the media? Sometimes it does happen. But, you know, the list of candidates, quote unquote, is always somebody trying to beat each other to the punch. You know, these are the names that might make the most sense if you connect the dots, blah, blah, blah. Well, when it comes to this kind of thing, nobody knows anything about not not Mike Gundy, not Neil Brown, not Mark Stu. Nobody knows. It's fun to speculate. But I mean, did you guys see something? I think it's ridiculous that people are beating each other beating each other up about that. Yeah, it is ridiculous, especially during this time where you would think, put aside all differences in politics to anything, we should be together and united just to get by this so we can get the answer be yes, we'll play on time. So it's honestly infuriating, but at the same time, uh, I am a sucker to hear good news, uh, the bad yeah. I try to cancel out, but at the same time, it's, you know, you just got to, it's not up to us, it's above any of our pay grades, coaches, ADs, it's going to be up to the, yeah. really, the government and the CDC. Right, but we get everybody's opinion, because we Which live in fine. the internet age, yeah. right? We get the coaches yeah. who don't care about the health of everybody else except <laughs> their own team and the money that they make. Or we get the opinions of the analyst who knows college football very well and would seem to have an informed opinion about things, but, you know, says that he doesn't see that college football happening and people freak out. We're getting everybody's opinion, not just the people yeah. that know what they're talking about. Well, and you use the key word, Billy, informed opinion. Uh, you know, I, I'm good with, with uh, Herb Street telling me what he thinks is going to happen uh, in the next game. And I'm okay with him saying I'd be shocked if there was college football. That's fine. That's his opinion. He didn't say, trust me, folks, they're not going to play. He just said, I'd be shocked. I'm sure he'd be greatly appreciative of being wrong about that. But, you know, people have piled on him. I mean, it's just it's just it's a waste of time. You know, it's fun to speculate about a lot of things. This is completely now to talk about how it might work or what might happen if college football doesn't come back uh, in the first weekend of September or even until October, whatever. That's really interesting because it involves budgets and, and you know, all kinds of different factors. But. You know, to, to, to tie into some of these words and say, well, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. None of us know what we're talking about when it comes to when this stuff's coming back. So uh, one other uh, story, and you guys were texting to me back and forth last night, Billy and Aaron, uh, and uh, now uh, 247 Sports, uh, Evan Daniels has a story out there about another potential transfer going in this direction to Kentucky and not the big guy from Purdue. It's a big guard 
Davion Mintz. What do you guys know about him? He's from Creighton, but you guys were, were talking to me about this mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, I do have – I got intel on it, and it started coming out today. I'd be – personally, I won't say anything. I know for sure, but I'd be shocked if it doesn't happen at this point. Uh, that That's your informed kid. opinion, right? That's my informed Good opinion. Deal. I would be shocked if it goes any other way and could hear something by tomorrow. But uh, he did not play last year. That's one interesting note. Some people might wonder why. It's because he was battling an ankle injury and yep. planned to go the grad transfer out. So he's saved his eligibility for this moment. Um, he's, last year he played, I want to say he averaged, it was his best year, he averaged 9.3 points per game. Their starting point guard. And what's important about this is, yes, Kentucky's biggest need is in the front court. There's no doubt about it. But Devin Askew isn't just your ordinary freshman. He's a young freshman. He's a reclassified guy. And it, this probably also means Emmanuel quickly ain't coming back. You already know Higgins and Maxie are gone. So you really want to pair Askew with an experienced guy. And when's the last time Kentucky's at a senior point guard? So this would be a really, really good get. Yeah, and after the last two years where they've gotten transfers at the front court, they're gonna they may get it at the back court here. And I, I like the idea. And, and purely if IQ is not back, if yeah. IQ is back, right. I think this is a log jam, and I think this could be a disaster. Especially if you're bringing in a guy who didn't play the entire last year, coming into his last year, he's gonna expect to get some major minutes. That's why he's making the jump. But if IQ's gone, he can come in and be that senior point guard that does help this young. Front or front court come together, which it really could, or excuse me, back court with all the talent that's coming in. Nearly ten points, three boards, three assists, and a steal per game. And he did play, to your point, Billy, nearly twenty-nine minutes a game two years ago over the course of thirty-five games. My thing is, anybody who transfers into Kentucky the way uh, Reed did, the way Sestina did, uh, and this would include Davion Mintz. You cannot expect major minutes unless John Calipari says, look, man, we have a need right here, and we're going to need someone to play major minutes if you earn them. But if you're a grad transfer and you're coming to Kentucky, what you're going to do is try to, first of all, win as many games as you can so you and your teammates are noticed, of course. You're going to be scouted, and it will help you get to the NBA. But if you come here – expecting to play major minutes, you're coming to the wrong place. And and track record has shown that. And especially, uh, to Aaron's point, when you're looking at, you know, or you said that you used the word logjam, Billy. If there is a logjam, you know you're not going to get minutes. So, yeah, I think if Calipari accepts him, he probably knows that Emmanuel quickly will not be coming back. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right, when we come back, good news for EKU's head basketball coach and – is Tom Brady in trouble at home with Giselle? Now we'd all we'd all be interested in, in changing uh, our, our position with him in terms of his lifestyle, his bank account. Uh, but you know he's got the same problems we do. Those of us who are married, we're back in a few on six thirty WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. Six thirty WLAP. When it's- Johnny Juzang rambles to, well, back home, actually, to UCLA, Westwood. Either one of you guys ever been on that campus? Have not. Nope. Phenomenal. I'm telling you, it's it's just – and I've, I've been on the USC campus as well. And I remember Kentucky had a, an assistant football coach here who had coached at UCLA. 
And I asked him, I said, man, how did you guys ever lose any recruits to USC? I mean, your campus versus their campus. I mean, you know, playing time is one thing, but if all things were equal, he said it's hard to get in. He said UCLA is a hard school to get into, and the USC is a private school, so they can kind of you know move that line a little bit. So uh, yeah, I, I, if you're ever if you've ever had the opportunity uh, to uh, to check it out, it's just man, it's it's really something to see in uh, Westwood. But it's as I said, UCLA is not an LA school; it's a neighborhood school. Uh, it's a Lakers town when it comes to basketball. Congratulations to A.W. Hamilton. He had a, a good year with EKU, obviously. He is, now has a two-year extension from uh, EKU. So now he's signed through the 23-24 season. Ohio Valley Conference Coach of the Year this past season. And it was also the NABC Coach of the Year for District 18. This was an EKU team that was 6-12 uh, and 12 in conference last year, 12-6 and six this year and got to the semifinals of the OVC. Got off to a slow start, guys, but uh, they turned things around. And I'm telling you, if you ever saw A.W. Hamilton play, his team at EKU plays the way he played, which is why they were able to turn the season around. They played a tough non-conference schedule, but, uh, man, it was uh, they were uh, tough in the OVC. There's no question about that. And uh, yeah, the, they got off to a nine and two start in the conference. Yeah, and they took the tour around Kentucky, obviously playing all the Kentucky schools. Yeah. And obviously, we didn't see their best basketball when they came to Lexington. But uh, I've only heard good things about A.W. Hamilton and seen it. And obviously, I know Kentucky's a tough team to match up against and kind of compare. But the team we saw in Lexington. Uh, for UK's home opener that really didn't belong yeah. on the same court, looked nothing like the one we saw at the end of the year and make uh, a really strong push and finish a little above 500. So good for him. Well yeah. deserved. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if it was him that made that scheduling that, that had um, them playing. Oh, it was him. Yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, <laughs> hand in, my, in the air. I would like to see other universities throughout the state do that. And that's no easy task either to play all those schools in Kentucky with all the basketball talent there is there. So... Credit, credit to him there, and I hope he keep, continues to find success. You know, and they're not a one-trick pony either, EKU. They were 13th in the country in scoring, second in the country in steals and forced wow. turnovers, so they get it done on both ends of the floor. Tom Brady has admitted that his wife has gotten into him a little bit, that she said, look, I need more help at home. Now, yeah, they could hire out and have nannies and, and whatever, do everything for them, but, you know, she wants him to be more – of a hands-on dad once the season is over. And she wrote him a letter to tell him all about it, if you can believe that. Uh, unequal division of household responsibilities was her complaint, and Brady admits it was a major problem. We're going to take that up in uh, the next half hour. But coming up next, Jeff Drummond of Cats Illustrated. He'll talk about the comings and goings for Kentucky basketball, and we'll talk some football as well. Brad White in hour number two and Jeff Pecoro here on 630 WLAP. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Aaron Gershon, Billy Rutledge, yours truly, Dick Gabriel. All safely, socially distanced 
as is our next guest. He's on our celebrity hotline, Mr. Jeff Drummond, longtime friend of the show. Jay Drum, how are you and Mrs. Jay Drum handling all this quality time together? She's on the third floor, and I'm in the man cave. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friend, is a veteran move right there. And the magic, <laughs> the magic is still happening in the Drummond household. That's excellent. Uh, but, very no, good. It's been great. Actually, I've spent quite a bit of, of t- time together, and now we've kind of have one of those. Let's go do our own thing for a bit. So I've been trying to get the man cave in order, and I think she's reading a detective novel or something up there <laughs> well the other thing too though is you do a lot of work from home when you're not covering ball games and right now of course uh, rosters are in flux tell me a little bit about uh, your take on johnny juzang's announcement and perhaps uh, the the kid from creighton becoming a wildcat and or the kid from purdue becoming a wildcat yeah the uh the johnny juzang deal that that was probably the least surprising of, of everything we've heard so far i he was going back home. Uh, I know a lot of people have debated this since he put out his schools of interest list, and they saw Villanova, I think maybe Virginia on there, and said, ah, this kid isn't homesick. Why is he considering Villanova? Right. That was just – that was for show. Kids usually consider two or three schools, and anything else they throw on there. If you see a kid giving his top ten, that's – utter nonsense right <laughs> very, very few people go beyond two or three schools in, in, in my experience the vast majority of kids so he was going back to the west coast and more importantly close to his family uh the homesickness i think was a legit deal from everyone i talked to in the program and that was kind of compounded by not getting minutes uh, a former player i had a talk with said when you're homesick and you're not getting to play that's just a lethal combination yeah and yeah. uh, it probably would have been too much to overcome to, to to get him back, even though he showed you know big strides towards the end of the season and had a couple of really nice games. Yeah, but you know the funny thing is he had said, and of course they always do. He had said the right things about wanting to improve his game uh, and, and knowing it would be tough and knowing he wouldn't get a ton of minutes at Kentucky. Uh, I really, with all due respect, I wonder how much did the pandemic play into his decision? Any idea? No, I, I really haven't heard much along those lines, but I'm sure it's making it the whole thing uh, a little weird for everyone uh, right now on the recruiting front and, and recruiting and transfers and just wreaking havoc. Yeah, yeah. Well, that said, as I mentioned, uh, two players are being bandied about right now as uh, possible, and Aaron just tweeted he'd be shocked if Mintz was not a Wildcat. Do you share Aaron's optimism about that? Well, judging from everybody who's who's rang in about this topic, I I have to think the chances are really good, especially you know a fellow Kentuckian here and former uh, work colleague Evan Daniels. When he puts his name next to something, you can generally uh, count on it. It's some pretty reliable info, and it, it sounds like he has him uh, heading to Kentucky. And it, I think it would be a pretty good pickup based on what I've read. Now, a uh, full disclosure. Uh, two hours ago, I'd never heard of Davian Mintz <laughs> in my life. So uh, people have texted me, friends and, and, and colleagues, and what do you know about Davian Mintz? And I was like, as much as you do yeah. outside of what, I, what I've read. But I know I've got a heck of a lot of respect for the Creighton program, um, you know, top, top program uh, there amongst the mid-majors. And he put up decent numbers. Um, while he was there. So I think he offers a lot to Kentucky in terms of 
uh, someone who's been in a competitive environment has the experience and, and some maturity to, to give this next young team a, a nice anchor. Jeff, it sounds like the, I guess you could say, Kentucky starting five from last year are all going to be gone. One, do you agree that that's going to probably be the case? And two, I mean, for a guy like E.J. Montgomery, do you think he's making the right decision despite, in a lot of people's eyes, including mine, being kind of unproven and not showing everything he can really do? Well, on the first part, I don't think we're going to see all five. And I think the biggest one, I'm, I'm going to go out on them. And I predict we see a very pleasant surprise with Emmanuel quickly. Huh. I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna stun a lot of people. I just do. I've had that hunch. I don't base it on like any inside information that someone's told me. Right. But just based on what I know of the kid and the scenario, and then you started to see some things. Uh, a mock draft came out today from ESPN. Had him down towards the bottom of the second round. And I just don't see, coming off the year that he had, he's not going to have an opportunity to improve that much between now and the draft. And he might start looking at it in terms of, if I come back, if Cal gives me a chance to, to play the point, that I can work on those skills, develop them, because the NBA is going to he's gonna have to play the point in the NBA. He's too small for shooting guard. And he's yet to do that a whole lot at, at Kentucky. So there's there's an awful lot of positives, I think, if he decided to come back, and if he does that, it changes the whole outlook uh, for UK. I, I think no matter what the other guys choose, and uh, it sounds like they're in a kind of precarious position too. I mean, Nick Richards is down towards the bottom of the second round. Yep. Uh, it wouldn't completely shock me if if maybe he came back because I, I I think he kind of likes being in college. Yeah. Um, I, I don't sense that he's a guy looking to get out of here. Say, for example, like Ashton Hagen. Uh, was in a hurry to just move on and, and, and be done with it. And, and E.J. Montgomery, unfortunately, sounds like kind of in the same boat. I'm, I'm not here to judge his personal choices, but I just fear that he's getting some bad advice uh, from somewhere because he's, he's not listed in any of the drafts, mock drafts right now. Well, the one guy that has confirmed to be coming back to the roster who had playing time this past season is Keon Brooks, a guy who I thought – may have played out of position several times this year, playing at that four spot where we saw him actually you know, kind of progress near the end of the season and, and take a couple three-point shots on the wing. What do you think Keon Brooks's ceiling is for the next coming years, and, and how does he fit with the guys that are coming in? Do you feel like Keon Brooks is going to be able to be that difference maker that we hope for him to be? Yeah, I, I think he could be. He was my favorite guy out of that class coming in from watching on the – the AAU circuit, just because how versatile he was and how smart the basketball IQ um, offered a lot of things. I, I felt like he could legitimately play four positions if you asked him to. He's one of those guys that could be a point forward in a pinch because he handles it pretty well and has has really good vision and passing skills. So I, I kind of see his game transforming the longer he's here into more of a wing guy. He, he was a little bit out of place as a four. Um but maybe somewhere in between the three and the four, kind of like Patrick Patterson played when Cal first came in. Yeah, uh, Patrick, of course, was much more physically suited uh, for the four spot. But the the skill set is kind of similar. Yeah. Jeff Drummond joining us on the Celebrity Hotline. Jeff, of course, a veteran to the U.K. beat. 
and it works for Cats Illustrated. And like everybody, it has no idea when we're going to be able to cover ball games again, but we'll be ready whenever that happens. And, of course, this Kentucky roster we're talking about right now, no matter what happens, even if quickly come – well, I'll take that back. And I'm like you. I wouldn't be stunned if Nick Richards came back. I'd be pleasantly surprised. But short of that, it's going to be a young roster next year, Jay Drum. But we've seen rebuilds in the past, and somehow Calipari gets it done, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I've seen already some of the doom and gloom <laughs> type predictions yeah. and, and people freaking out. And, and I just say, listen, he's going to figure it out. He's going to have a good roster. And this recruiting class is dynamite. It's just going to be another one of those seasons where we're going to hear him say we're young over and over again. You're going <laughs> to take some lumps. You're going to have some bad losses. And then by the time February and March rolls around, uh, provided we're back into some sort of normalcy <laughs> next year. <laughs> Hope to God, you know, if, yeah. if this thing doesn't interrupt uh, any more of the, the next college season. But uh, it, they're going to be a good, entertaining team, a lot of fun to watch just because uh, the young guys coming in are just loaded with raw talent. Speaking of what we hear over and over, one of the betting services released over and unders for college football and has Kentucky at six and a half. You know, and, and, and Aaron and Billy and I have talked about this right after the season was over. We, we kind of said, you know, brace yourself. Don't get upset. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen because people are going to look at the fact that Lynn Bowden uh, went out the door and uh, there's nobody on their roster who can do what he does. You know, but that's irrelevant. But the, the people who set such marks and such lines, it never seems like it registers to them that they've got other players coming back they've got some depth coming back so uh, i'm guessing jay drum you would take the over in a heartbeat on that yeah i I definitely would and and i would put that on the returning uh, two factors there that the o-line is going to be really good and the entire defense is just stacked with with depth and i don't think the national or even the regional guys know how good they could be defensively uh, right now, I think it could really challenge you know some of these strong units we've seen in recent years, and they kind of carry the team. The big question I have um, with the situation now: Joey Gatewood eligibility is kind of going to be up in the air again uh, now, so we don't know if he'll get that waiver. If he doesn't, how is Terry Wilson able to rehab and get himself sharp for the season of quarterback? And right. I think that might be worth a half a game when you're doing that over-under to a game of of speculation. Maybe some people are looking at that and saying, we just don't know. Uh, But I would go with the over just on my my gut reaction. Jeff, do you worry at all about the wide receiver score, given that they were really kind of just human blockers for the last, I don't know, (laughs) seven, eight games, and they really didn't get a chance to run many routes and catch any passes, and then you lose? Really, Ahmad Wagner was the one guy at the beginning of the year that really played a big role other than when that receiver. Well, you know, not really because these coaches don't sugarcoat things, uh, especially Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant, uh, real straight shooters uh, with us here. And they said, you know, prior to Terry Wilson going down, they were doing some really exciting things in, yeah. in the passing game. And they were they were pumped up about those guys that they had. And I, I think once they get back to having everybody healthy at the quarterback spot, that their ability to run the ball, too, is, is going to open up plenty of opportunities 
for them to be successful in the passing game. Jeff, tomorrow on 630 WLAP, we're going to be playing a replay of the 2019 Citrus Bowl in which Kentucky was able to beat Penn State and then they were able to finish off a 10-win season. Do you think we're going to look back in the future, decades from now, at this 10-win season by Mark Stoops as one of the greatest college football seasons in Kentucky football history? Yeah, we may end up doing that. I, I hope that there's a few more for them <laughs> in store. Just because I I enjoyed the experience of being down there on a for a New Year's Day bowl game, you know, in Florida, getting a sunburn in January, <laughs> um, covering a game between uh, you know Kentucky and a program like Penn State, you know, which you know as much as anybody around, you probably put them top five or ten all time as far as prestige and and image and all that's concerned. Uh, so, yeah, I I think that season will be memorable for a lot of reasons, but I, I think they'll also have a chance, the way they're recruiting, to, to match that a couple times. Well, and when we think back on that season, yeah, we'll think about the, the number 10, which, as we know, is pretty rare in Kentucky football history, uh, the win over Penn State. And, and, you know, I was talking before and after that game about – and, Jay Durham, you've been around for a while, but when you look at on that field – and, you know, we've covered the silver britches of Georgia and then the, the purple and white and gold of LSU and even the, the simple helmets of Alabama. But when you look out there, because you don't see it very often, and you see those Penn State uniforms, you know, it, it just mm-hmm. to, it just does something. I'm like, whoa, this is this is big-time college football. Not that SEC isn't, but it's just interesting when they when – they, like if they played Michigan, I would have the same reaction. Uh, but we're also going to think about Benny Snell and Josh Allen and a lot of kids who went to the NFL. Uh, and and I, I think to uh, to Billy's question, maybe this will be how we think of that year. That was the first year that happened. Because I'm like you, you know, if they keep recruiting the way they have, we may see that again more and more. Yeah, and I, I think that's Mark Stoops' full expectation. We kind of take it to the next level and, in particular, find a way to win the East and, and get to Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, if they can do that, people will forget pretty quickly about uh, you know the Citrus Bowl, yeah, uh, because that'll be the next step in the in the progression. And I still think they've kind of got a little window to make that happen, sure. uh, percentage wise, in the next couple of years, um, while the rest of the the East is a little bit in flux. I mean, Georgia, you got to think is going to be there for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Florida's Florida's gradually getting back, I think to where they belong. And, um, you know, Kentucky's probably next in the pecking order with Tennessee and you, you may have to give the edge to the balls until the cats show they can handle them head to head. Um, and, and not blow some of those opportunities, but, the chance is there. I, you know, with what they're doing in recruiting, I wouldn't uh, be surprised at all if, if there were some bad breaks, uh, bad luck for the the favorites for Kentucky to sneak in there. Well, yeah, and they did miss a great opportunity last year, but you got to credit Tennessee for being ready for whatever Kentucky threw at it. So, you know, that's what's been maddening about that series. He is Jeff Drummond. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at JDrumUK and follow him as well on uh, catsillustrated.com. Thanks, Jay Drum. Stay safe out there. All right, you too, guys. Have a good one. And we're back in just a few to talk a little more NFL. The Rams may be shorting some of their former players. Somebody owes somebody some money. That story's coming up 
here on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. And if you want these kind of dreams, it's Californication. Thanks again to Jeff Drummond for joining us. Let's go back to the phones and welcome Mr. John Short. John, how the heck are you? Oh, what's up, honey? How you doing? You're safe and healthy, I know, right? Yes. All right. Everything good at Kroger? You you able to help yeah, a little but, bit over there? Um, I'll, I'll for a while until the virus is over, then I'll be back on again. Okay. All right. Well, glad to hear you're safe. What's up? Well, that's, that's much, anyway, it's like I'm into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, wasn't that great? And we yeah. had one of his former UK assistants on last night, uh, or the night before, maybe, in uh, Doug Barnes. And uh, uh, he should have been in there a long time ago, John, right? About, about 30 years ago, he probably should have been in there. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he he was a terrific, terrific coach. Now, let's talk about one of Joby Hall's games. They played an Illinois game in 1983 on Christmas Eve. That was we won fifty four fifty six, but how did so referees that game? And why did you bring that up, John? I do remember that game. Why did you bring that up? Why not? Because I thought it'd be a good game to bring up. I know the game was not televised at all. I know it was on radio, but in fact, it was a it was a pretty good game. And that game should have been rebroadcast. All right, John, are you but, sure that game? I thought I remember watching that game. You sure that game wasn't on TV? What was it? What channel was it on? Channel twenty-seven. Probably. But I do remember because what John's talking about was a game that uh, there was a terrible, terrible snowstorm, and uh, Kentucky got up to Illinois just in time, and just you know, terrible weather, terrible freezing temperatures, and uh, the uh, referees couldn't make it, so they looked into the stands and said, "Is anybody here? Could anybody here help us?" And there was a couple of high school. Referees and they worked in blue jeans, didn't they? They did. Yeah, they did a good job. Joe B said. Yes, we were down at halftime, thirty-three twenty-six, and James Blackman won it for it at the end. John, I don't know how you remember that stuff. I know that 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 when they rebroadcast that game for the for football basketball season begins, we rebroadcast the game all over. That'd be good rebroadcast. That would be if they could find the tape. That that's part of the challenge now, John is. Tapes from uh, some of those older games have been – they've been moved around so much, you know, that sometimes yeah. it's hard to find them. But uh, for the people who make those decisions, I will certainly make that request, John. Thanks so much for calling. Hope you stay safe, well, by man, the way. Yeah, let me ask this question. Uh, yeah, real quick. Real quick. Okay. What time is the Citrus Bowl on tomorrow night? I heard that we broadcast the Citrus Bowl. Citrus Bowl is on tomorrow. Was it Billy kicked off at 7? Is that right? That's correct, yeah. All right, yeah. Okie dokie. All right, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. good. I know you will be. You'll play. You'll play the full sixty. I know that. Uh, yeah, Kentucky took a bus home, and the heater wasn't working in the bus, and the front window and the bus kept fogging up. And Joe B. and another uh, staff member had to stay up at the front of the bus and keep wiping the the windshield down on the inside so the bus driver could see. So uh, man, I don't know how he remembers that stuff, but uh, yeah, that was in, Illinois was tough back then, and uh, that year then Illinois comes to Rupp Arena and plays Kentucky and I think it was the regional championship game. So the Wildcats had yeah. to beat Illinois to get to the Final Four. If I saw a ref in blue jeans, I don't think I'd ever forget it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we only have a few seconds left, but the, the L.A. Rams have cut Todd Gurley 
and Clay Matthews, two veterans. Matthews' career probably done. Gurley, he'll try to go somewhere, but his knees are terrible. But apparently the Rams owe them, between the two of them, about $10 million in bonus money. And these guys say they haven't been paid. Guys, could the Rams be in financial trouble? Ten seconds or less, Aaron, what do you think? <laughs> I don't think they're in financial trouble. I think they just need to pay their man. Yeah, I agree. Well, Todd Gurley's on the Atlanta Falcons now, so he'll be being paid by both teams. Yeah, but he's owed like $7.5 million in bonus money. Pay the man. Pay the man. Hour number two, Brad White's coming up, UK defensive coordinator here on 630 WLAP.